Hey, this is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts. And if you like our show, Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love Disco Nights with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week. All new episodes premiere every Thursday night wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if I was around, I would definitely be listening to Inglorious Trexperts, the new podcast from the people who brought you the 430 movie. Check it out, 430movie.com. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw before and get reacquainted with some old classics. Now, join us for the 430 movie. Hello, I'm Mark A. Altman, and this is Gangster Week. Welcome, you dirty rats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm thrilled to hear we are once again programming our or curating, I should say, a week of classic movies, so you don't have to. I'm here with your favorite programmers, Stephen Melching. Hello, Darren Dockerman. Hey there, <laughs> and Ashley E. Miller. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about gangster movies. Gangsters. And, uh, you know, it's amazing the way movies have glamorized the criminals since the beginning of the medium. And some <laughs> of the best movies ever made have been about gangsters. I, I want to talk about the, uh, the elephant in the room. There's an elephant in the room? There is an elephant, an elephant. Uh, the, the, the Lorax. Um, <laughs> no, I want to talk about the elephant in the room because, of course, uh, the legendary gangster epic probably you know one of the great yeah not probably it is one of the great movies of all time uh the godfather saga how are we going to oh. deal with the godfather films i almost feel because if you remember back in the day nbc had this thing called the godfather saga right and it was this extended the, the cut complete novel for television the complete novel for television <laughs> it was godfather one and godfather two cut together chronologically and if you've ever watched it, it was aired recently. HBO restored it and, yes. and put it on recently. And if you ever watched it, it was a whole week. You it's know, about, what about eight hours total running time, and there uh, are additional it's, scenes it's cut back into it. Pretty stinking long. Well, it, it, first it, of all, I, I don't think we should refer to it as the Godfather. I think we should refer it to it as that, that thing. thing of ours. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you may recognize it as uh, Cosa Nostra in its <laughs> original tongue. And so, my question to all of you is. Should we exclude The Godfather? Because it really it deserves its own week. You know, I think I, I would be fine programming a week of The Godfather on 430 Movie uh, so we can focus on other deserving candidates unless somebody really had their heart set on talking about The Godfather. But it, it's also a film that has gotten been lavish, justifiably so, with attention over the years. And a lot has been said. And, you know, or, you know, something that could go to Coppola week and, and uh you know, there's also Godfather 3, so, I mean, you really could program a week of, uh, of it because Godfather 2 is an extremely long film, so you could do Godfather and Godfather 2 and Godfather 3. I mean, it's... There it, we are. There's our week. <laughs> Thank you. Many Godfathers. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no question that Godfather and Godfather 2 are some of the best American films ever made. I, I think I prefer part two to part one. I even. do too, actually. Um, they're they're fabulous movies. I love them dearly. Uh, I wasn't planning to choose either one of them. Uh, I would be happy to discuss them. Well, however. I would be happy arguing with you because I think Godfather 1 is better than Godfather <laughs> 2, and I love <laughs> Godfather 2. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... it's I, I think guess that's it's worth its own Wars podcast Empire. alone. Yeah. Mm. Special report. Godfather Smackdown. 
and we have to order Godfather's Pizza. It's, se- <laughs> it's sequel week on the 439. <laughs> for sequel week. I mean, yeah. And then, and then there's a whole conversation to be had about the Return of the Jedi, the franchise. Uh, How is that Godfather a gangster movie? Godfather 3. Oh, I guess well, Jabba the Jabba Hutt. Jabba the Hutt is a, yeah, is a gangster. <laughs> well, you know, the Hutts are a fascinating gangster family. Sure is, they uh, are. You know, Gangster's Paradise. Not Steve, really. Steve, uh, in fact, didn't you, did you, if you didn't invent, you certainly wrote for um, some of the other Hutts in Clone Wars. Oh sure, Zero well, the Hut, Zero and and Rada and uh, Zero the Hero. Yeah, Pizza yeah, Huts. My my wife loves the Huts. So does my I wife. I think that may be her favorite thing about Star Wars. She has a, now a little collection of stuffed wow. and toy huts. Stuffed I got huts. her the little Lego stuffed. hut Jabba. I got her a couple of stuffed ones. Um, mm. She has them in her office. She has them in the bedroom. She she loves. She thinks they're hilarious. She's a hut lover. Wow. <laughs> It's something about that. They're big and gross and weird and Does funny. Does she have that guy who played Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars before they CGI'd him? That big, <laughs> big Irish guy. actor <laughs> for, for the bonus round? Anybody remember De- his name? Declan, Declan Mulholland. Yeah. Actually, Whoa. His name. Thank you. Wow. Named after an entire street. Named after an entire street, yes. That's right. The great Declan Mulholland. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Mulholland of the Mulholland Drive. Mulholland. Why haven't you me? Han, Han, my boy. Poor Greedo like that. Han, my boy. <laughs> Gangster week, Let's huh? Let's stop talking about Star Wars for crying out loud. Well, we're talking about the Huts. Come on, it's germane to our conversation. Um, germane Hut? Germane Hut? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Jermaine, God. Germane Hut. <laughs> the Jabba Five. Oh. Um, okay, so, hey, Gangster easy. Week. Um, now, you know, the stories, as we talked about, of, of you know, Gangster Week's... Uh, you go back uh, to the very beginning of the medium. Certainly, Warner Brothers uh, built the studio on the back of their sure. classic gangster movies, some of which may or may not appear today. You know, films like *Public Enemy* and um, uh, um, *Little Heat. Caesar*, and well, *White Heat* was later. So right. let's not get ahead of ourselves there, okay. Steve. Easy there. It's <laughs> <laughs> Scarface, but uh, which was Universal. So um, anyway, uh, this is Gangster Week, and we're so glad to have you uh, back here with us. Um, and this should be an exciting, uh, exciting week full of Tommy guns and uh, <laughs> all kinds of uh, fun stuff. Edward G. Robinson, James Cagney, some of the legends. Yeah, see? <laughs> I wonder if he'll join us if we're lucky enough. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but, we, but we do have Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I could have been a gangster. I'm very good at, at Tommy guns and things like that. Well, he is the villain in red. <laughs> well, he, he actually was almost cast in the film that I was going to talk about. Interestingly, but Interesting. you're not anymore, Bob. Roberts. No, I am going to talk about. Oh, okay. It, but he was, he was, he was ultimately. So, not Steve, finished. let's go to Monday because this conversation is going absolutely nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so let's go straight to Monday. Steve. It's a show about nothing. So, the the film I uh, want to program uh, stars Robert De Niro because I don't know if you can make a modern gangster film without Robert De Niro, but it's not the one that you might think it is. It also stars Joe Pesci, but it's not that one either. Oh, Casino. No, it's not that one either. Either. It is Sergio Leone's oh, last film. Oh, excellent choice, Steve. Once Upon a Time in America. Very nice. From 1984. Awesome. Uh, Leone did want to cast uh, Richard Dreyfus in uh, one of the roles initially. Is uh, that right? Yeah. I've never heard yeah. that. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It went through, like a lot of those films, it went through a lengthy uh, casting process. Yeah. And, and initially, Leone wasn't going to direct it. He was just going to produce it, and it was going to be directed by uh, uh, John Milius. 
Well, really? I hadn't yes. heard that either. Yes. John Melius was going to direct that Once Upon a Time in America? Yeah. Yeah. That is But he was uh, he was too busy, uh, you know, he got caught up in doing his his other earlier films. Um and you know, this is a, I think this is a terrific film. I I'm referring of course to the uh the the uh, original cut. cut. Yes, yeah. the the Three hour and forty nine minute version, not the truncated two hour and what was it two hours and nineteen minute version that was released domestically in nineteen eighty four. Well, if I'm not mistaken, there are actually three versions because yes. there's the original Leone cut. Yes. Then the Lad Company slash Warner Brothers put out that Abomination, um, the short version, and then there was more Which, recently an even longer cut that Warner Brothers put out on home video. And there is a rumored even a longer version than that um, that has wow. uh, additional footage that was not for some legal or other reasons not allowed to be included in that in that other version that you just mentioned. Mm. You know, at some point, you're not making a movie anymore. You're really making a limited series with a lot of money. <laughs> well, interesting you should say that. This film was initially conceived uh, as two three-hour films. Uh, it was conceived as a Netflix series yeah. 20 years before anybody even knew what Netflix was. But you know, obviously they ended up just making it as a single film. Um, it also starred James Woods, uh, arguably at the height of his acting powers. Before, uh, before being a pre-Twitter ass. Yeah, yeah. before he kind of went bonkers. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was an a, a amazing actor uh, in the 70s and 80s, um, and he's terrific in, in this film. Um, he was so great. I mean, in that Salvador era, oh. I mean, God, I mean, he was in Cop. I mean, yeah. James Woods was so great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Intensity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I mean, so he's a true believer. And he's, he's wonderful in this. And, and what I really like about this movie, it's one of those great, generational type of films. It takes place in three time periods, uh, the early 20s, uh, 1933, and 1968, and it kind of bops between those three time periods as the Robert De Niro character, Noodles, uh, is trying to sort of uncover this mystery about what happened to uh, some uh, missing gang money and, and, uh, you know... Resolving unresolved uh, issues with his uh, with his with his gang, and uh, it it also marks Jennifer Connelly's debut as an actress, a teenage Jennifer Connelly. What a great career opportunity that was! <laughs> <laughs> it's a labyrinth of intrigue. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, it's the story of this. It was uh, a requiem for. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the stories of the, basically these juvenile delinquents in the early 1920s, and they come together in the. Sort of the Jewish ghettos of the Lower East Side of New filmed York City. Filmed in Italy. None of it was filmed in New York. Oh yes, they yeah, rebuilt yeah. the yes. Lower East Side. You know, in, uh, spaghetti gangster in uh, in in Italy, which is is remarkable because it just looks it looks stunning. amazing. They rebuilt that whole block and the bridge, and, and it's just incredible. It's crazy. It's it's a and it has an amazing Ennio Morricone score, oh, stunning. Um, and it's it's about these kids coming together, trying to form their own criminal gang, fighting with rival gangs, uh, all the intrigue and violence that goes along with that. They rise in power, uh, accumulate a lot of money, and then uh, you know a sort of a tragedy happens, and uh, and the film is kind of about unpacking that, unraveling all that, and it's. It's a, I love this movie because it feels like a real journey. It's 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 like a feast. It's got so much great character things. I, I think of one scene in particular 
that I always think about in this film. And um, it has one one of the younger members of the gang. He's probably 11 or 12 years old. Uh, hears from one of the other gang members that this teenage girl that lives in their tenement flat uh, will give sexual favors for pastries. So he goes to the bakery and buys this beautiful big pastry with all this whipped cream and a cherry on top. He has it wrapped up nicely, and he goes and, and knocks on the girl's door. Her mother answers he asks if he can see the girl. The mother says she's taking a bath. He says, I'll wait, you know, uh, I'll wait outside. So he sits down on the stairs and this Ennio Morricone music starts playing as he's sitting there by himself on the stairs and he just kind of looks at this wrapped up pastry, sees there's a little bit of frosting on the wrapping, reaches out with a finger, scrapes it off, eats it. Oh, that's good. That's really good. But he leaves it alone, sees a little more frosting. Well, Wipes off that frosting, eats that too. Looks at the door, the closed door to the apartment. Looks back at the pastry, reaches over, unwraps the pastry. (laughs) There it is in all its glory. He's looking at it hungrily because these kids are very poor. He doesn't get to eat stuff like this. Looks back at the door, looks back at the pastry, wipes some frosting off of the wrapping, eats it, looks at the door again. And he's, you can see him doing the math in his head. He really wants to, you know, have his first sexual experience with this girl. But this or with this pastry. Right yeah. <laughs> Reaches over, plucks the cherry off, then changes his mind, puts the cherry back, looks at the door again. And finally, he's just like, fuck it. And just chows down. And you're wondering why this is a three-hour film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful scene. It says, I mean, it's 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 a truly remarkable movie. I really love this movie. No, you know, it, it it's so great. You mentioned the Enio score, which of course is 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 fantastic. Um, was it Elizabeth McGovern yes. who didn't want to wear the old age makeup because it oh. tr- traces them through the years? And I remember it was one of the actresses who refused to wear the old age makeup. So you have all the characters That's, in the movie uh... aging. You know, through the different areas, and she still looks the right. same. Right? You know she what? Did. You're, I I had not heard she's that timeless. story, but I did notice. I rewatched it uh, recently, and, yeah. I, and I noticed that. Yeah, she wow, she's aged really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was. She's another one of my favorites from the '80s. I mean, she was also in I think Racing with the Moon, and she's just uh, she was she was great, and she's great in that movie and and you know for all those people who say why why do the italians always have to be the bad guys this time it was the jews who got to be the <laughs> bad guys we got to be the villains for a change the jewish mafia yeah it's great it's got it's i really got, looked at that as a role model growing yeah, up that's good oh, it's got pathos it's got violence it's got you know it's it's a really great mob movie really great gangster mm. movie a great and unexpected pick from steve melching <laughs> So uh, Once Upon a Time in America, if you haven't seen it, you should get the extended Blu-ray edition from Warner Brothers. It's uh, You can get it pretty cheap on Amazon or, or download it or rent it. Uh, we're not big fans of renters. We think you should own these movies. Yes, we do. Um, but if you if you want to rent them, go ahead. But, but you know, build your collection because one day streaming can just disappear. Netflix will not come into your house and take your Blu-rays off your shelf. They Yet. will just Yet. stop streaming the movie that you like. Yes. So, so we, we, we highly encourage, especially now, prices have come down so much on Blu-rays, particularly as we get in the holiday season. You know, Amazon and Walmart, a lot of these guys are running some you know, huge sales, and it's a great chance to uh, expand your, uh, your collection. Of course, with all the special features and stuff, you don't get with rentals. So we highly encourage uh, you know, to, to, to purchase these movies, and it's something you also don't get from just streaming a film. Uh, so Tuesday, Darren Docterman. 
Gangster, yes. Gangster Week. Gangster Week, yes. Um, I've, you know, I, I've gone back and forth on my pick for Tuesday. Uh, and I've been circling around a couple of them, but one sort of consistency with all of them is uh, director Marty Scorsese. He has, you know, perhaps second only to Francis Coppola, he has given a voice to this genre better than arguably anybody. And I think that, you know, I'm not going to go with the with Goodfellas. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, primarily because I think Goodfellas is more a blueprint for uh for doing things rather than a uh, a cautionary tale believe it or not uh i have always uh gone to uh his other well his other later work uh casino mm. uh you mentioned it before but i think casino is a a grandmaster execution of this big idea of the story of uh, the gangster life and America being interlinked, uh, and the story of basically the the high days in the 1970s when you know the mob ruled Vegas, and I think that it is it is extremely more enjoyable for me to watch it because of the performances in it by everybody. Even the even the secondary players. It, it's interesting how many sort of comedians he's cast in all of the secondary roles. Yeah, Don uh, Rickles. Who's Don Rickles, who is it, amazing yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Smothers. Uh, I, I'm sorry, um, uh, Dick Smothers uh, is in it, and uh, just uh, uh, um, so many other great. Just uh, bit parts in it. Don Rickles is also the best thing about that other mob movie, Innocent Blood. The vampire <laughs> mod movie that John Landis directed, where Don Rickles plays a, a, a highly a underrated. Monster. Wait, no, 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 not, not really. Not <laughs> That's why it didn't make no. the cut on Vampire Week. But I, th- I think De Niro is is so understated in his performance in Casino, and and so controlled. Usually he's you know he's all over the place and and uh, and you know on borderline crazy, but he's the most sane person in the entire movie. And it's interesting to see him go through this film as a constant force while everything is going around him. Well, boy, I got to tell you, I could not disagree with you more on this particular okay. choice. I, um, I I think Goodfellas is is absolutely superior film. I actually don't think there are a lot of great movies in the 90s. Um, to me, there are only a, a real few classics. To me, Goodfellas is 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 one of those. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction is one of those. Um, JFK is one of those. But not a lot of great movies. Blade. But uh, yeah, Blade. Unforgiven. But but Unforgiven. But I feel like I remember when I went to see at the Lowe's State in in Times Square um, uh, the uh, Goodfellas in the early '90s. Uh, I was still living in New York, and I went and I didn't know much about the movie. And I came out of the movie and it it reaffirmed everything I love about cinema. It was. Uh, Martin Scorsese in top form, uh, doing what he does best. Uh, to me, it was the ultimate gangster movie. But you know, the technique as well as the story he was telling of Nicholas Pileggi's uh, book, uh, Wise Guys, um, it, it was so. I mean, I just to it me that's so one of the great movies. So it. much energy, I right? Totally, I, Viscerally, I agree. and and whereas Casino to me, and I don't dislike Casino. To to me, it felt like the also ran uh, to. Um, 
uh, to Goodfellas. It does some interesting things well. It might have been a mistake to use the same cast. I will say that I do like Sharon Stone a lot in the movie. In fact, having worked with Sharon on Agent X, uh, uh, you know, coming off so many sort of schlocky movies that, that she had done, like, um, you know, King Solomon's Minds and everything, sure. and then even something like Basic Instinct, which is a pop pulp pulpy mm-hmm. movie she's so proud and so happy to talk about casino in fact i'm holding the gift right now from sharon stone a rap gift <laughs> which i can't you know would she gave us these pens not the greatest rap gift i've ever received but agent you gave x her your heart it she says gave you a pen. Uh, uh love and thanks sharon 2015 um what you haven't but, figured out yet is that if you twist it in the proper sequence you kill someone with killer it. laser yeah. i i know which is or a, an ice pick you reveal the secret <laughs> of the, the, the <laughs> but um no i I, I do not dismiss the the uh, the uh, amazingness of Goodfellas. I'm merely stating from a personal enjoyment point of view mm. how much I enjoy Casino more. Right. And to me, in my mind, Goodfellas seems like a trial run at doing Casino. Boy, and I feel and I feel like the opposite that the Casino is sort of the also ran to uh, Goodfellas. And then, of course, I think it, Goodfellas, which at the time was absolutely captivating and robbed of an Oscar that year, I feel. But um, you you um, you then have The Sopranos come out on its heels, and in a way, it, it sort of overshadows it. I think people look back and, and, and talk about The Sopranos a lot more than they talk about Goodfellas. And um, to me, I mean, God, that cast, and you know, so many famous scenes, the Shineback scene with Joe Pesci and the kid, and um, but uh, God, that scene where he's all coked up and he's he's trying to now, go see, through his my, day. See, that's my least favorite scene oh, in the I whole love movie. That so scene. I think it tells a little bit about <laughs> oh, uh, I how love both of us react. I love that. And the use of music. I mean, it basically... If you want to pick that for Thursday, that's fine. No, I don't because... <laughs> but right uh, now it's only, uh, hey, your choice sucks. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and and, and then I'm not saying your choice sucks <laughs> I because I, 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 like, <laughs> I like Casino and that opening teaser you know, where De, De Niro gets into the car. It's, it's, it's marvelous. And I love Vegas of that era. Um, you know, there's so much about it. I, I, I also heard, I guess there's a longer version of that that's never been released at Casino, which I'd love to see. I love, I love the it. recreation of the period in Casino. Yes. It's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. It's wonderful. And, and how the money gets skimmed at the casinos. It's, it's really... I, I, I love every section of that movie. What, uh, what casino did they film? The Tangiers. What? Didn't they film it in the in the hotel casino that we stayed in for Robin Hood's wedding? Where, yeah, you, because you no, guys stayed the, at the... That's chi- the Rio. I didn't stay at the Rio. Oh, but you I stayed, stayed at the Chintzy yeah, Hotel. Did. I stayed at the. Cheap I was one. at the good hotel. I, I think the that's Mirage, where they. I think, but, <laughs> I think that's uh, where they filmed Casino. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they did, and then they built a bunch of sets. Yeah. Because I remember there was, there was the two tiers at Rob's apartment. Yeah. At Rob's first wedding. I was and, poor. Uh, I couldn't afford the good. And, hotel. and there was the good the good hotel, and there was the <laughs> shitty hotel. You were at the shitty hotel. <laughs> I was at the shitty hotel. We were at the good hotel. <laughs> now the funny thing about Rob's Vegas wedding was it was a costume wedding. Our friend Rob Burnett. Had a costume wedding. We all went in costume. I went as Steve Austin, the six million dollar man. It was amazing. Okay, Darren, what were you? I think I was a Jedi Knight. But he, but here's the the thing. That's so I was sort of like thought I'm not into the whole costume thing, and I thought this was really tacky. And I thought, okay, this is not the best way to start your nuptials. You know, not not the auspicious. I said, are you sure you want to do this? He says, oh no no, you know. And everyone has to go in costume. You have to go in costume. We all have to go in costume. It's going to be amazing. And um, so. It's like, uh, okay, Rob, well, you know, it's your wedding. You only get married once. Well, that turned out not to be true. But, um, <laughs> no, but, he only but anyway, did get married once. I, I can say this because we're good friends. And But the funny thing is, he shows up at the wedding 
He's not in freaking costume. Well, yeah, he was dressed as Rob. I'm like, he's wearing a tuxedo. And I'm like, Rob, what the hell? You made us all dress up in costumes, and you're not in costume. Walking around downtown Vegas like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you know how hard it was to get a taxi dressed as Ming the Merciless? And, <laughs> oh, that's right. That costume was amazing, by the way. And, 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 and so, uh, yeah, you see the scene Princess Aura. But uh, then, um, so... Um, so Rob points this little insignia pin on his tuxedo, which he's wearing. He says, well, this is the actual one Shatner wore in Star Trek II, so it counts as a costume. Well, I don't remember him wearing a tuxedo. Now, the funny thing about this was it was a theme wedding. It was a Star Trek wedding. And I remember we went, you know, you do the rehearsal. And so I was uh, in the wedding party. And the day before we go to the rehearsal at the Star Trek wedding chapel or whatever it was. And I'll never forget this. You know, Rob and, and his beautiful bride, Yelena, are, are rehearsing thing. And Mr. Spock, who has his hands on the orb of love or whatever it was, um, is indignant. He says, you, you guys can't walk down the aisle this way because you're blocking the audience. They can't see me, and that's why they're here, to see me, the, the, the officiant, Mr. Spock. And it was like, and I had to say, excuse me, what does God need with the starship? So I raised my hand. I'm like, excuse me, but I think we're actually here to see them get married, not to see some loser Ooh. dressed up as Mr. Well, Spock. Well, the saddest part is that it was Nimoy. So it's Bill, Bill, Bill. So Gangster Week, Casino. So Casino is my choice, and you're not going to stray me from it, even though I tried. You tried. It is a valid choice. I tried. It's absolutely a valid choice. And again, you know, I would just say, I I just, you can't go wrong with Goodfellas. It's just a. Plus, it has Kevin Pollack in it, who does a great Chatner. He did the first great Chatner. I mean, everything comes back to Shatner and Ernest Borgnine on this yeah, show. Yeah, right? If you are an Ernest Borgnine or Shatner fan, you can't go wrong with the 430 movie. Uh, Ashley Miller, Wednesday. Speaking of Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, you know, so I tend to go a little out of the box, and I've been trying to A behave. little? A little, a little. Um, this time, you know... I, this time you're in the box. This time I'm, I think I'm more in the box, but I'm I'm kind of skating on the on the outside. Of we'll the box. be the judge of that. Well, all right. So my thought process. I, at first, I thought, okay, my way to sort of be in the box, but kind of be on the edge of the box is I oh, will talk about good. one of um, one of John Woo's uh, Hong Kong films. High right? five, right here. Right. I love it. Yeah. I, it's on my list. But awesome. But, but I'm something not tells me that that oh, isn't oh, it. Oh, right. Give me back that high five. You, I, I'm taking back the high five because I'm not going to talk about A Better Tomorrow, which is nearly perfect, um, Hard Boiled, which is ridiculously fun, or The right. Killer, which is just plain awesome. Yeah. Um, John Woo could basically do no wrong um, during that, that period. Um, and instead, and actually my other out-of-the-box choice was going to be The Dark Knight. But here's where I'm landing. Thank God. Okay. So... This film, uh, incredibly famous uh, screenwriter, incredibly famous director. It was. Um, it was. It wasn't the only time they teamed up to to make a movie. They teamed up together one more time. Although the writer really just did a rewrite instead of kind of creating something from from whole cloth. Um, and when I saw a trailer for this movie, I thought that looks like the worst thing I have ever seen. I have no desire to go see it. Because at that point, I had no idea who this writer was. I mean, what the hell was Reservoir Dogs anyway? And that guy who directed Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Top Gun? What kind of combination is this? And I will tell you that when I walked out of True Romance, Mm -hmm. all I could think 
about Tarantino and Tony Scott was, you're so cool, you're so cool, <laughs> you're so cool. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. <laughs> way, way back. Christopher Walken. Your great, great, wow. great, great, great grandmother did a lot of... Nobody will ever <laughs> accuse us of not having great guests on the show. You'll when... tell the angels in heaven that you've never seen evil so singularly personified in the face of the man who killed you. You know, Mr. Walken, <laughs> I have to say, what I really loved about that movie is how much uh, props Brad Pitt gave to Bill Shatner in True Romance. I loved it, too. <laughs> I have to be honest. I, I almost remember nothing from the film itself, but uh, what I do remember... I take it back. I can't remember much at all. <laughs> you know, I, but I, you were not an eggplant. I'm well, not an eggplant. That's for what sure. What was it like working with uh, Dennis Hopper? Who? <laughs> exactly. Look, the cast in this movie was amazing. Or, I mean, it's like it's like uh, Christian Slater, who carries the film with such charisma and energy, is kind of going through his own weird little Wizard of Oz adventure, just yeah, meeting every awesome character yeah. actor you can imagine. He meets. Gary Oldman playing an OG gangster in one of my favorite scenes of all time. You know, it's like, you know, this is what my, my conscience is worth this and not one penny more. And it's an envelope with like one dollar. Right. And it's just, wow. Um, Gary Oldman needs... playing a guy, playing another guy uh, as another guy. Another guy. <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson cameos in this movie. Um, there is an amazing scene that we've hinted at between uh, between Dennis Hopper, who plays um, Christian Slater's father and Christopher Walken, who plays, who Max represents Oren. Mr. Blue, oh, wait, Lou no, Boyle. Um, the gangsters whose money, uh, Clarence, uh, Christian Slater's. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as counsel to Mr. Blue, Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that guy. And then he gets to Hollywood where he meets the biggest gangsters of all. And I don't just mean James Gandolfini, who plays a hitman, who right. has another amazing scene with Patricia Arquette. He meets, I mean, Saul Rubinek, who is basically playing Joel Silver, Joel Silver. yeah, um, and Bronston Pinchot, oh, who is right. his assistant, right. oh. um, and then Brad Pitt, like in a throwaway yeah. role, playing the like Brad Pitt. you keep driving and you keep driving and you keep driving. Like that's basically his. You don't disrespect me, man. Like, it just, yeah, that it's movie great. is great. amazing, and it has such a it's a wonderfully exciting third act. Like it that delivers just on every level. And on top of that, like just in case you weren't excited enough by the fact that this story is so great, moves with such verve, is so well written, so well written, in fact, that Tony Scott, when he got the script, said, I'm just going to shoot it exactly as is, which is what he did. Um, on top of that, Clarence Worley, our hero, played by Christian Slater, has an imaginary friend. Yes. His imaginary friend is played by Val Kilmer who mm -hmm. is playing the ghost of Elvis Presley. Right. It's like, and it's just, and he's perfect because Elvis is basically, he's not the angel on Clarence's shoulder. He's the devil on his shoulder. You know, it's like, he's telling him like- He's a you, devil yeah, in disguise. Exactly. It's like always a liked you, party, man. Always liked you, Clarence. Always have, always, <laughs> always will. will. And it's like his whole scene about Elvis, I, that hillbilly. I mean, come on. <laughs> there is nothing about her romance I don't love. I can watch that movie again and again and again. I have to say, 
First of all, I admire his enthusiasm. How Man could you not? Has enthusiasms. enthusiasms. And uh, I will say that, uh, you know, after listening to his spiel, for lack of a better word, it makes me want to watch True Romance again, which is, I think, the the, the, the best thing about yeah. this show is when you, you, you can be inspired to want to watch the movies we talk about. I definitely want to watch True Romance again. That said, I had the same response that I had to Darren, where he said, Casino, and I thought, Casino, Goodfellas, right? When he says true romance, I think Reservoir Dogs. I'm like, yeah, I like true romance. Don't get me wrong. But Reservoir Dogs, to me, is like his freaking masterpiece. Make no mistake, I love Reservoir Dogs. But Reservoir Dogs, at the end of the day, doesn't make me happy in the pants. It's, look, it's the, same, it's, the same reason, it's the same exact reason I feel about Goodfellas. I don't like myself when I watch Goodfellas. <laughs> well, I don't like you either. At, at, <laughs> well, <laughs> is, I don't at last either. it comes out. <laughs> you you just watch like yourself. See, I, 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 love, I don't know if I would consider Reservoir Dogs a gangster film. I mean, it's it's it has gangsters. Yes, it, it's about. A, <laughs> but I, it I does have Christopher Walken. Yeah. It's a, it's about a, a crime. It's a more of a heist crime movie. It's about a gang that comes together for a one-time job. Gang, gang, gangsters. So oh, we do. But heist it should week. be pointed out that. Um, because at some point or another, and I, he's probably abandoned this, but there was sort of the Quentin Tarantino-verse. But Clarence and Alabama are referenced um, in the script for Reservoir Dogs and in the script for Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, those that's characters right. all right. exist. So yeah. it's, that's mm-hmm. the other thing that blew my mind when I figured out, oh, my God, these characters Yeah, the Tarantino cinematic universe. And it was just such a great yeah. combination of Tony Scott's visual style. Are they mentioned style. in The Hateful Eight? You know... <laughs> Uh, no, because that'd be something. It would be. It would be something. That would be day, my great, great, <laughs> great. And then you have the Vega brothers too. You know, yeah. which is also another a vestige of uh, the cinematic universe of of, of Quentin. Quentin is such a singular talent. And um, I mean, I, look, I love I love true romance, but I mean, every time I pass the Safari Inn on, uh, yes. it, when I deign to go to the Valley, I uh, <laughs> I think true of true romance, romance and How James Gandolfini, not? the late James Gandolfini. Um, but uh, oh, that scene so good, um, and it just—it's just so many scenes in that movie just stick with you. They just stay because it's just—it's just perfect marriage of kind of word and image. Look, yeah, and I, performance. I, I watched that film again about a year ago after a long period of not watching it, and I, I'd forgotten how much I loved it. It's so much fun. It's joyous. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again tonight. Seriously, go. I'm gonna watch it even long before this podcast even posts. I'm so I think we have a Wednesday. Yeah, outstanding. Okay. Yeah, but I think you're right about Reservoir Dogs. I think it's more for Heist Week, along with Rafifi. And, oh, wait, I'm oh, not yeah, supposed yeah. to do that now. And, uh, <laughs> okay. So, Mr. Altman. Thursday. Go. Well, I, I wonder got, what you choose. I got quite a list here. Um, it's funny because when he said um, Hong Kong, I thought he was going to go with The Killers Are Hard Boiled. So, also, uh, I love Johnny Toe's Exiled with. Um, uh, the great Tony Wong, which is about a bunch of uh, old uh, gangsters, uh, you know, and, and hitmen trying to kill each other, but uh, not as well known as the, you know the it's Chow like Young Fat men, but with a lot of bullets. But uh, but I'm 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 you know, and it's it's funny because John Woo really owned the '90s with those films, didn't he? You mm-hmm. know, uh, it, it's amazing what a huge influence. And it's funny because now you watch Mission Impossible Two. You know, which is John Woo's, and you're just like, what the hell were they smoking? You know, it's like, what are they on glue? Because that movie does not fit that franchise at all. It's just totally a John Woo '90s movie done badly. And um, but anyway, so so Gangster Week. Um, look, this is. I have to say, this might have been the toughest 
week of any of the weeks we've programmed. Oh, I got about eight or ten more myself. I mean, it, and we'll talk about it for Friday. I think that's going to be the real challenge. Um, you know, I, can you have two Christopher Walken movies? Because King of New York is sure mm. sweet. The Abel Ferrara uh, movie. Um, you know, do we honor... Um, again, the, the amazing Warner Brothers over. Uh, I mean, I do love Public Enemy with uh, sure. um, uh, James Cagney as Tom Powers. That's one of my favorite actors of all time. The, the uh, Gene Harlow as well. Um, but then, uh, you know, White White Heat is even better. Although the the thing about White Heat, even though it's about a gangster with with Cagney playing Cody Jarrett. Um, it's as much about Edmund O'Brien's sort of bore of a character, Hank right. Fallon. Um, but, you know, what everybody remembers is that iconic ending, Top of the World, Ma. Sure. And, and so I, I thought about that, but I have to go. I also thought about the films of Jean-Pierre Melville. You know, I love Le Samurai uh, with Alain, Alain Delon, Delon and Le Cirque Rouge and, and, and uh, so many of his great French gangster movies. But, uh, you know, I, I think it came down, you talk about how um, casino is just special to you and makes you mm-hmm. feel just giddy. And you know, you talk about a true romance. So I don't I, think I, I said giddy, but go okay. On. <laughs> well, but I, I, I feel like you know, um, I, rather than movies that I admire and love, I, it came down to the movie that like you, you know, just hate. No, no, it came down to sort of that desert island disc criteria. Sure. Yeah. Like if I had to watch what, this what movie, ha- what can you watch if you have to watch it over, over, and, and, over, over and over and over again? And for me, that's Miller's Crossing, the Coen oh, Brothers movie. Great choice. Um, I, uh, I. Um, it's on my list too. But it's not my favorite gangster <laughs> movie by the Coen Brothers. I, when you I, say Miller's Crossing, I just think of other movies. This is, uh, you know, it's it's Gabriel Byrne who is uh, working as an enforcer for Albert Finney, and it's 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 really about hats. <laughs> uh, it ha- it starts with this really great scene with the late John Polito, ethics, sure. oh, you know, as this sort of good. disrespected gangster that G- Gabriel Byrne is able to manipulate, uh, pl- pl- you know, preying on his uh, his his insecurities and, and narcissism, uh, and then uh, Jay Friedman is is sort of his enforcer who's just amazing, and Steve Buscemi, and it's it's it's, um, you know, sort of. Uh, the uh, Coen Brothers Blood Simple was their coming out part. You saw this right. and you saw this is the work of uh, a, a short, uh, wildly talented filmmakers who are going to have quite a career. Right. And you thought maybe they would be these great noir filmmakers. And then they go and do Raising Arizona, which is this quirky, bizarre black comedy with Nicolas Cage. And you're like, oh, well, maybe we got them wrong with this Blood Simple. And, and, and then they come out with Miller's Crossing. And Miller's Crossing, again, is this movie I knew very little about. Went to see it on the Upper East Side of New York at the cinema. I pretty much can tell you every movie theater I saw, any movie, at uh, the, the Cinema 3 on uh, 3rd across from Bloomingdale's and uh, walked into the theater knowing nothing about Miller's Crossing. And I just love it. I really love movies with great dialogue. Like, to me, The Big Sleep, even though it makes no sense whatsoever, is one of my favorite much. movies of all time because of the dialogue. You know, Star Wars I love because of the dialogue. And um, and and, and uh, Mills Crossing has some of the greatest, you know, gangster dialogue ever. And it's just, uh, you know, look into your heart. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just, and it's beautifully, beautifully shot by Barry their uh, cinematographer, Barry Sonnenfeld, who went on to have a great career, did Get Shorty, one of your yep. favorites. 
Um, so I, I can't say enough good things about Miller's Crossing and of course that sort of montage, the hit on Albert Finney set to Danny Boy. Mm-hmm. It also has Good Night Sweetheart, made famous by uh, the City on the Edge <laughs> Forever. <laughs> um, not really, but that's where I knew it from. <laughs> and uh, I did not know it from uh, the the uh, uh, Mel Damon or not no, not Mel Torme. It was who 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 originally sang that and made a famous Good Night Sweetheart. Um I don't know. But anyway, it's in Miller's Crossing. And a great Carter Burwell score. Uh, I, I I just, I love Miller's Crossing. I could watch it every day if I had to. I could be like Howard Hughes in the penthouse of his hotel watching Ice Station Zebra. Well, I could watch Miller's Crossing every day and be happy. Prophetic words, Mr. Altman, for that's exactly where you're going to wind up. <laughs> <laughs> so my pick for Thursday is Miller's Crossing, which leaves us with... Um, Friday. 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 Oh, my big, God. A big hole in the week. Wait, what are we going to do? Fuck. Well, We're going to plug it. It's Gangster Week. Sure. Yeah. We're going to plug uh, it. I, I just want to throw something out. I wish it was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but but you'll you'll realize when I say okay. um, HBO's Boardwalk Empire, oh, yeah. which is basically it's what the prequel trilogy is to Star Wars, but good. Right, right. You know, right, right. it's 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 uh, you know, gangster babies. The the start of the uh, of organized crime on the East Coast in the in America in the late twenties and thirties. I second that. I can agree with you. I love Boardwalk Empire. I I love that show, and it never you know existed in the shadow of like The Sopranos right. and later Game of Thrones and the sort of legendary HBO series. But boy, and Boardwalk Empire was just great. It's and they so spent a great. Fortune and, on it, but and it looks amazing. <sighs> and of course, Scorsese was involved producing it. Uh, he directed but, the pilot, which is one of the lesser episodes. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I wasn't a fan of the first season, but I stuck with it. And it's it, I, just the way it develops is terrific. Steve Buscemi is It's amazing. I have, I have a little personal connection to it because my grandfather was a driver for Dutch Schultz in New York oh, in, really? in, in wow. the 30s. So I have a little connection with it. No, I, I will not do that. <laughs> um, but uh, so it, it, I'm eternally fascinated with that story and uh, you know you also hear a little bit about it in um, Godfather 2 when uh, Hyman Roth is talking about you know the man who fixed the first uh, World Series and he's in the show you know so it's uh, it's a lot of fun and if you can if you can find it go see it Um, interestingly or I think it's interesting uh, I worked on a a, an animated series called Batman the Brave and the Bold mm -hmm. and our lead actor Diedrich Bader played Batman, his grandfather or great-grandfather was one of the characters in Boardwalk mm. Empire. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, my family had some some mob connections, though. I'm pr- particularly fascinated by the whole thing. My uncle ended up going to jail. My, he was married into the family. He, but uh, um, I have several Italian friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I love spaghetti, or at least I did before I went keto. I, I love to... Um, you know, this is something I have to put with an asterisk. I don't think it qualifies in its existing form. Right. But, uh, you know, Cotton Club, uh, Francis sure. Coppola recently um, did a new version of this, which played a Telluride uh, and a it's year actually ago. part polyester now, which and, is <laughs> and, and it, The Blend it, Club. It has not um, been released yet ah. um, because, you know, Robert Evans demanded it, it, it be a certain length and... Um, uh, I think to deal with their foreign uh, distribution deals or for whatever reasons, so the Cotton Club was released under cloud of um, of bad 
mojo because of right. uh, the the murder case and everything. Investors who who died under mysterious circumstances and everything, uh, and who were mobsters themselves apparently. What? Um, but uh, he recently restored this and added a bunch of stuff back in the Cotton Club. And you know, provisionally, I I can't add it because we haven't seen it. But I I love to see. I'm I'm waiting to hear when that is actually going to be released because I know they were talking about a theatrical release or at the very least Blu-ray. And 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 I was always fascinated by you know Coppola revisiting the gangster drama. You know, set against the backdrop of the Cotton Club, had Diane Diane Lane at, at uh, you know back at her luminous prime, and um, uh, Gregory Hines and uh, Richard Gere, and it just I'd love to. I'm really anxious to see that uh, that movie. Um, That's a good one. I I just want to mention one before Steve uh, gives us his list because I'm sure Steve has a list. <laughs> he um, always does. This might be on it, but The Freshman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, it has uh, Matthew Broderick and Marlon Brando. Uh, basically reprising his role from The Godfather. It's, it's an iguana. It's incredibly, uh, you know, this was, I think, the first instance of meta, I yeah. think, uh, seeing in a, in a big Hollywood movie. No, so I actually had that. an iguana in college. Actually, we had three <laughs> iguanas, and uh, one day they broke out of their terrarium, and it turned into Jurassic Park <laughs> there you go. in our suite. It was just fantastic. Uh, was... One leaped out of, the, uh, out of the, the laundry and landed on my roommate's face. It oh was, my God. It was delicious. Uh, the Freshman 1990? Uh, I think so. Ish. A wonderfully quotable film. Uh, it's, a it's great a, cast. It's amazing. And, um, you know, Broderick f- plays a, an, an NYU film student, which, you know, made it incredibly funny for me having gone to USC. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's so good. Uh, uh, Bruno Kirby is in it. Uh giving a great performance. Uh, may he rest in peace. Mm. And uh, it's just so much good in it, and it's so fun to watch this little adventure. In a movie that desperately needs a HD home video Definitely. release, it is not available on Blu-ray. Um, I'm not seeing HD. I want to see HD. I, I, I think it's... I watched it. I think I recorded it on some cable channel mm-hmm. recently and watched it. But, it is available uh, in HD on iTunes. Okay. Um, well... There is a um, there is a, another a gangster film that has De Niro and Pacino that we haven't talked about. This is one of my other favorite films. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Michael Mann's Heat, um, which is just a fantastic duel. Uh, Hua, between uh, between these two, really these two actors, sort of in, in just embodying everything that we sort of love about them in these kinds of movies, and. The scene where they finally meet, where they finally get together, um, and it it's so simple. It's just the two guys sitting in a coffee shop, having a cup of coffee, basically saying, it's, okay, you know the, the cartoon with, like, the wolf and the sheepdog? You know, and, like, yeah. the, they chase each other around, and then they yeah, punch they the punch card for lunch, and they said, how's your mom? You know, it it's kind of like that, That's except awesome, and it just, it builds, it adds a, a level of emotion to the climax, which is this chase and this shootout across um, an airfield um, that is just, which I think is LAX. It is, uh, it is Which LAX. is, and it's just awesome. It's Michael Mann, like, it, reconstructing the North Hollywood shootout. Um, it's it's amazing. Okay, you know, and when I talked about how there weren't many great movies in the 90s, I, I, I left out Heat, and it's worth including that, because you're right, that shootout is, again, one of the 
virtuoso pieces of filmmaking of the 1990s. Uh, I will say that Heat also gets credit because, of course, the scene between Pacino and De Niro was filmed at the late Kate Mandolini restaurant, which next to Lola's had the best macaroni and cheese in town. This is true. Um, so I, I miss it. And so whenever I see Heat, I think of that delicious macaroni and cheese at Kate Mandolini's. Well, there, I, there was another scene that was filmed in the Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, just it was great to see De Niro and and uh, Pacino at the height of their powers. You know, it's it's Pacino right on the edge where you got to be mm-hmm. of going a little over the top. But he he you know he's he's uh, he's great at. Now, have uh, they ever done a scene together before that? No, because they so. were in Godfather yeah. too, but they were never in they were different yeah, timelines. Big so, deal. The two of them finally. You know, being in a scene together was, was a big it's deal. A big deal. And <laughs> and I think that's a movie that ages well. I recently watched it again because um, Apple TV uh, had upgraded it to 4K. Mm-hmm. You know, when I wasn't when I was sleeping, I had noticed, and <laughs> it suddenly was in 4K. And uh, little elves came in and, and digitally, uh, you know, knocked it up to 4K. And so when I saw that it was the heat was in 4K, I'm like, oh well, I got to watch that. And and in fact, I liked it more than I had because. I think I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think there are problems with Heat, but boy, it looks great. It's it's actually um, uh, he had done a TV movie. Michael Mann had done a TV movie back in the um, uh, their eighties called LA Takedown, and this was sort of uh, a reworked version of that TV movie with a much better cast and much better shot. Of course, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Michael Mann's. Not Miami Vice, Michael Mann's Crime Story. God, that's so And this good. owed a lot to Crime Story, and um, even though that was a period piece. So uh, I really, I do I do love Heat. I'd like to take us back in time a little for my suggestion for Friday, which is uh, the Mike Hodges classic, Get Carter, yeah, was, with oh, Michael yeah. Caine. Yeah. And uh, great Roy Budd score, Ian Hendry at his drollest. Um, it's about um, a gangster whose uh, brother is murdered under mysterious circumstances. He comes back to this sort of... Uh, crappy little town that he grew up in in England and uh, unfortunately he's asking questions of all the wrong people and uh, you know basically uh, they're people that are making the mob money and they don't like Kane asking these questions they want him to go back to his boss in London but he's not going to leave until he finds out who killed his brother and uh it's 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 great. I'm going to resist quoting from this because my Michael Caine impersonation is terrible. <laughs> but you know, you know, your eyes are still the same. <laughs> <laughs> Piss holes in the snow, <laughs> and it's just rife with that kind of dialogue. It also has um, Britt Brit Eklund in it, who uh, uh, you all know and love from. Now, now the we're talking Gun. about the obviously we're talking about the Michael Caine version, not the terrible remake uh, with Sylvester, with Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. No, we're right. definitely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you know, thank and, you. That's, that's why it's so funny. I had just listened to the score for this movie last week. That's funny for the first time in years. Down, 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 down. <laughs> I remember being on the bullet train to Tokyo, at, you know, from the airport, and I, I just, I, whenever I'm on a train, I just, I did go to San Diego too. <laughs> I put on the Get Carter music and look out the window. <laughs> down, 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 down. So uh, it's just like when I'm flying into uh, Miami, I always put uh, into Miami from uh, Goldfinger <laughs> on. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's, uh, it's you gotta you know program your week that way. Too, we should do a sound, our soundtrack show, music for all occasions. Um, you know, and how could we not talk about Scarface? Well, I was just going to say, there's a couple of big elephants in the room. Scarface being one of them, or a little elephant. <laughs> Say hello, Say to all my little, little elephant. elephant. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, you know, I'm surprised no one has mentioned Dick Tracy. 
I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you know, but I will I say mean, it is a gangster. I want to say this about Scarface. I, I, it's much like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I love both versions for different reasons. And the thing, right. I, I love the original Paul Muni mm-hmm. Scarface, and then I love the remake. Now the remake, uh, it's really funny. I remember I was in high school when it came out, Radar Movie. And uh, I was uh, on a date. Uh, it was not the best date film, I must say. Really? And uh, you, you, well, you yeah, shared yeah, a few I, bad 100%. dates. So we're going to uh, we're going to see uh, Scarface. Very excited about seeing. It. I was a big De Palma fan at the time, and uh, it was sold out. So we bought tickets to Yentl. And <laughs> oh my God, snuck that's in a great date. To Scarface. No, no, we bought y- oh, okay. tickets for Yentl and went to, because this was before oh assigned seating. So we took our mm-hmm. Yentl tickets and got it, went into Scarface and sat and got great seats. And man, I, I, I just love Scarface. I mean, it's so over the top, it's so ridiculous. And to this day, that girl thinks that she saw Yentl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand. Who was Barbara Streisand playing? I just. <laughs> Love that, that scene. Uh, Oliver Stone uh, write the screenplay. He did. Yes. For Yentl. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. For Yentl. And uh, <laughs> and and Al Pacino dresses up as though he's a girl. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, the um, the scene where uh, Pacino's slowly taking over Legia's territory, and he goes in and um, and 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 he kills like everybody in the room, including Robert Legia. You can't kill me. I'm a cop. And he kills him, and then he looks at the other guy, and he looks like he's going to shoot him. He says, you want a job? <laughs> he says, thanks, Tony. I God, man. And it's so 80s, that movie. First you get the money. Marotta score, Marotta score the, the, the cocaine, the whole ending. Let yeah, me sure. introduce you to my list. It's so over the top and histrionic and, you know, it's just, oh, and operatic. Well, but I love that movie. Speaking of over the top and histrionic and Brian De Palma, the other big film we haven't talked about oh, is yeah. Yeah. The Untouchables. <laughs> oh, uh, of course, with Robert De Niro, and a terrific cast. Sean Team Connery, who's right here. I'm not going to participate in any of these podcasts until I'm paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Sean, you won an Oscar. That's the Chicago this. way. Oh. So, you you know, the one thing we take from that is you should never bring a knife to a knife, a gun to, to a, a knife, gun to a knife fight. A gun, yeah, a knife to a gunfight, or a lemon to a knife fight. <laughs> or an incredibly no, quotable film written by David Mamet. Never bring a spatula to a uh, rock fight. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, well, I know. And, and uh, George Martin Smith, uh, Charlie Martin, Charles John Martin Smith, uh, who, who George R. R. Martin Smith. <laughs> oh my God, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Terry the Toad writes <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Untouchables. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the movie is Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I've, I've become what I beheld, and I'm content that I've done right. <laughs> it's the movie that made us all run out to watch Battleship Potemkin, right? Had yes. any of you and seen? Then we went, oh <laughs> no! And a, you know, another Ennio uh, uh, Morricone score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a yes. terrific soundtrack. Great um, soundtrack. Beautifully photographed. Very entertaining. Not very historically accurate. What's the matter? Can't you talk with a gun in your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) And of course you have um, uh, La La Land Records recently put out an expanded version of The Untouchables. It's just a beautiful, beautiful score because, you know, uh, that theme is so powerful. uh, I love the main title sequence with that uh, that graphic of the title. Sure. The shadows. It's It's, it's it's, terrific. It's really well done and it's, it's fun to watch. Again, it's fun. And De Niro is great and 
over the top and uh, yeah. Well, it's the equivalent of the Christopher Walken scene in True Romance where he's in the one scene and steals the picture. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like Al Pacino is in the one scene. Individual achievement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stands alone. Yeah, and, so and good. So great in that scene. And the whole idea that he went and bought the underwear from the Al Capite, the same underwear that Al Pacino wore and that he put on all that weight. Al Capone. Al Capone. What did I say? Al Pacino. He kept Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> that Al Capone he was, brings up so many things. Al Pacino's <laughs> underpants. That's what they were talking. Weirdly enough, were Beverly D'Angelo's underpants. Oh. And before that, they were Diane Keaton's underpants. Oh. Okay. So those underpants got around. <laughs> it's hard to talk with underpants in your uh, mouth. I mean, so many other movies. I'm, I'm a we've... fan of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, The Warriors, you know, being the from Warriors, Brooklyn, that yeah. was a key movie for us growing up. Uh, Bugsy. Uh, um, Bugsy. I love Bugsy, the Barry yeah. Levinson movie. <laughs> Bugsy Gangs. Malone. Oh, wrong Bugs. Gangs of New York, uh, <laughs> wow. The Departed. Yeah, party. but you know what else we're missing? And I, I, look, if I hadn't gone with Mills Crossing, I probably would have gone. If it hadn't been Get Carter, maybe with this other movie, Bonnie and Clyde, yeah, Arthur Penn's sure. 1968 movie. I mean, it, you know, it's Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway at the height of their powers. Um, it's it's Michael just J. incredible. Pollard. Michael J. Pollard. Uh, and and I just and Gene Hackman, yeah. sure. Um, and Estelle Parsons. <laughs> Clad, clad. <laughs> the most annoying, annoying voice in movies. Um, but boy, is that movie fantastic! And it really is, um, you know, uh, an elegy for an age. You know, and and I just, uh, it's it's a movie that's about the 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 twenties and thirties that really is about the sixties. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just. Uh, uh, incredible film and that ending uh, is it's it changed cinema forever. Oh, that, yeah, a classic of yeah, American yeah. cinema. Yeah, so. I just want to give a brief shout out in, the, in uh, to a multicultural uh, film, uh, City of God, mm. the uh, Brazilian film mm-hmm. about the uh, gangsters in the Rio, the slums of Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. A really terrific movie from the early two thousands. If you haven't haven't seen it, seek it out. It's terrific. Yeah. I love Gun Crazy. You know, um, which has that virtuoso um, bank robbery sequence. Again, maybe more of a heist movie than a gangster movie. I've never seen that one. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's so great. The Usual Suspects. Who directed it? Oh, The Usual Suspects. Wow. You know... I, for me, I would probably go with the Usual Suspects for Friday. That's I hadn't even that, that wasn't even on my list. Of course, one of my favorite movies of all time, and that was another movie that snuck up on me in the '90s. That has to. That's another movie I left off my '90s list. Goodfellas, JFK. So good. I just and, don't and remember the '90s. Usual I Suspects. <laughs> I remember the too 90s. much LDS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to forget the '90s. Um, but uh, boy, I love the Usual Suspects, and that was a movie that stuck up on me. I remember at the time I was doing Sci-Fi Universe magazine, and we were right across the hall from film. Film Threat and uh, Film Threat. I think it was Dominic Griffin who was really had seen it from the, the real world. Um, and he worked there and he was championing that movie. And he, he, you know, he couldn't stop talking about it. We were all sick of hearing about how great this Usual Suspects was. And we went to a screening, and I was just like, "Oh my God, that movie's so great! Everything from the Chris McQuarrie script to Brian Singer's direction to John Ottman's phenomenal score mm-hmm. and uh, editing yeah. and editing. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. And another movie with Kevin Pollak. Yes. Yes. And Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, right. So, boy, it's all coming together here. It's all related. God, Friday Friday is a bitch because, (laughs) I mean, this is a hard week. I mean, so many great things. Hard hard men. I I think I would would put my vote for Scarface. Which, Which one? The second one. Okay, because we we don't have Little Caesar, we don't have Public Enemy, we don't have anything from the heyday of the Warner Brothers gangster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, Petrified Forest, which of course is uh, Humphrey Bogart in one of his sure. early screen roles. Um, so many great, great movies. Uh, uh, Steve Melching, what, what do you think? He he thinks Scarface, nineteen eighty two. You know, I'm torn. I'm what torn between about? The Untouchables and Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. Wow. Okay, I, I'm torn between. Um, wow. Why this you... is this is tough. I'm torn between Yentl and uh, <laughs> no, I'm torn between Scarface, Bonnie and Clyde, and The Usual Suspects. Wow. Um, see, I would have gone Usual Suspects or Heat. Oh, although man. this is the first the time thing I've is, ever had. I can we actually make a case here. for The Thank Untouchables you. for Friday because it's it's got the right energy. You know what? It's I, a crowd I, pleaser. I it's might super entertaining. I, I might change my vote to the Untouchables. Man, this is going to end up being like Twelve Angry Men because I don't know if I can go with that. And I like the Untouchables. There's no cause to be angry. I just, I, well, you know, look, Untouchables is a better movie than Scarface. I like Scarface more because of its overheated sure. insanity. But uh, you know, but it's 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 uh, Untouchables is definitely the better movie. Uh, Usual Suspects, I love, and I think it's better than Untouchables. But I could see it being Untouchables. Um, Boy, but Bonnie and Clyde, I feel like we're not really. <laughs> what, what, what was Monday again? Uh, uh, Once upon a time in America, right? And Tuesday, Tuesday was, was casino. casino. It was like three hours ago, so I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And then it was Miller's Crossing, and it was um, True Romance. True Romance. I kind of feel like it got to be Bonnie and Clyde. We got like this is all like '90s. Go back and, in time yeah, a little more. I mean, it's like yeah. we're not if we're not going to do the Warner Brothers stuff, we got to have something. We that, don't got to do nothing. Well, I, I just <laughs> feel podcast, I, not Warner Brothers. I just feel like unless no, they want to give well, us well, money, Bonnie, you know, I I feel like Bonnie and Clyde is like you know that showed the power of film criticism. Yeah, Pauline Kael basically saved that movie with her review. You know, that, that never happened. That, that that was a movie that was basically Warner Brothers was was basically sending off the pasture. It was getting a total. And release it wasn't gonna um, do, and then because of the power of film criticism, this movie being discovered, it was given sort of a re-release and found an audience. I mean, it's like to me that whole story is worth honoring. It's like uh, you know, and, and and that movie is just so. Uh, it's a stone cold classic for a reason. Stone it's, cold. It's fantastic. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and, and it's just like I mean, I mean, I I don't want to be the one who's dissing the Untouchables, but I love the Untouchables. No, now everybody knows that you hate it, Mark, and I, we're judging you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think there's I, there's no question in my mind that Bonnie and Clyde is a better movie than The Untouchables. Yeah, I think The Untouchables is more fun to watch, for me yeah. personally. Certainly more fun to watch after school at 4.30. That's true. Ah, <laughs> there's always that <laughs> argument. You know, it's funny because- Run home and watch you know, Bonnie and oh. You know where I saw Bonnie and Clyde? I saw Bonnie and Clyde in school, in high school English class. Oh, wow. They used to show this stuff on 16 millimeter, and I remember- because you know, class wasn't long enough for a two-hour movie, so we watched the first half of Bonnie and Clyde one day, and then the next day we we're going to see the second half. And God, that was like the longest twenty-four hours of my life waiting for <laughs> the second part of freaking uh, um, Bonnie, and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. But I think you're right. I mean, the four thirty movie. It's not only honoring great movies, but like what you want to rush home and watch. Yeah. And The Untouchables has so much to it that's just. Edifying and fun. and fun, and it has Sean Connery, who we all love, and Ernest Borgnine, not, <laughs> not in it, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, and Kevin Costner. It's one of his best performances. But you know, fifteen years earlier, it would have been uh, Ernest Borgnine in the Charlie Martin. Smith yeah, that's role. true. George R. R. Martin. It would have been yeah. George R. Martin. I think George R. R. Martin has Vulcan quite Martin the acting Smith. career ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I'm 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 I guess I'm gonna go along with this Untouchables. I think we have oh, a week. Thank God. Okay. So Monday, 
Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. Tuesday, Martin Scorsese's Casino. Wednesday, Tony Scott and Quentin Tarantino's True Romance. <laughs> Thursday, it's Miller's Crossing. And Friday... It is The Untouchables. You have been listening to the 430 Movie Gangster Week. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts. If not, don't. Uh, you can visit our website at 430movie.com where you can purchase fantastic 430 Movie swag. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 430moviepodcast or on YouTube at the 430 Movie channel. Also, don't forget to check out our new podcast, Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate look inside Star Trek with some of your favorite 430 Movie hosts and special guests from across the sci-fi universe. So on behalf of myself, Darren Docterman, Stephen Melching, and Ashley Miller, we'd like to thank Bill Ritter and everyone here at the Electric Surge Network Studios for making our show possible. And we'll see you next week for an all-new theme week on the 430 Movie. Thus endeth the lesson. 